on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. You're going to see smaller shows. You're going to see lounge acts slash half shows become shows. You're going to see a bunch of performers that have been writing for the past six months out of work. They've been writing their own shows. I think that's going to be really cool to hopefully see, you know, six months from now. In Spanish, its name means the Meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 77 of the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Before we get going for this episode of the show, I want to thank my guests from the last episode, Tyler Robertson and Jessica Marshall, the founders of NowCrowd, a brand new app that provides Vegas visitors and locals with up-to-date information on crowd levels and wait times at various spots around Las Vegas. It was great chatting with Tyler and Jessica and learning all about how NowCrowd is not only helping people avoid the aggravation of long waits, but also keeping people safe during these crazy COVID times. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, hop into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and search out episode number 76, Beating the Crowd, or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. All right, here we go. On to the show. There's no question that the COVID-19 outbreak, the lockdown, and the subsequent limitations on reopenings in Las Vegas have been extremely tough on everyone in the city. But one of the hardest hit segments, if not the hardest hit group, are the people involved in the entertainment industry. After seven long months, shows are finally, slowly starting to reopen along the Vegas Strip. And my guest this time around is one of those people who's found himself trying to sort out performing in a pandemic world. Vin A. from the Bronx Wanderers is back to chat with me for this episode of the podcast. Last time we talked, we were hanging out backstage at the Matt Franco Theater in the Link. Since then, a lot has changed. Early in the new year, the band made the move over to the big room at Harrah's. And shortly after that, the world closed down completely and they were forced to figure out what was next. Vin and I chatted about the various projects that the shutdown gave him time to work on, including some very cool new material, how he and other Vegas performers managed to adapt in order to stay busy and stay in front of their audiences, and what the future may hold for entertainment in Las Vegas from the business side, the performer side, and the audience side. Please enjoy my conversation with Vin A. First off, I want to say thank you for uh, making time to jump on with me here today. I know that uh, things are are kooky crazy for you, or uh, at least as kooky crazy as they can be in the middle of all the weirdness that we've got going on. Of course, I got to keep all my Canadian contacts, you know, very close to me because with what's going on in America, I might need an escape plan. So, Jeff, <laughs> you're my go-to guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Come up. It, it's all the butter tarts and poutine you can eat, my friend. That's, That's fine, man. I'm in, dude. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, all we got here is wildfires and you know earthquakes and all this other stuff. It's like it's craziness, man. I do want to talk about the pandemic because, of course, that's what's on everybody's mind and what everybody's been been thinking about for the last and dealing with for the last several months, um, and, and particularly how it has affected you guys down in 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 the performance community down in Vegas. It's it's absolutely killed me to watch what it's done to all of you. But trying to find the the silver lining in everything, I guess. Have you found that this has given you an opportunity to maybe work on a few projects that you had sitting on the shelf because you were just, you were too busy with, with the quote unquote real job to, to work on some of these, these other projects? Absolutely. I mean, the thing was with the Bronx Wanderers, we were rocking seven nights a week and that was every single night at eight o'clock. I really couldn't do a lot in the daytime because you can't burn your voice out and you can't go crazy at night because you need it for the next day. So all my projects were kind of on hold and yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it because that weekly paycheck was nice. (laughs) And the minute that weekly paycheck was gone, I didn't know what to do. Luckily um, we had the PPP, which is like that, uh, that loan program for people out of work. Luckily my producers got that. I at least got my paycheck for like eight weeks which again, I'm sitting at home and I feel like I'm robbing somebody because somebody's paying me and I'm doing, I have to do something. Right. It's like, you know, it feels, it feels weird. So I was like, okay, at least I can focus on my album. I'm going to do this little acoustic uh, album thing that I'm going to work on called Vendemic. Uh, my dad and I have gone out and done duo stuff together. We released like two music videos. We're going to be releasing a, I say we, I mean me, I guess it's just me. It's Vin A, right? That's the band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be releasing a, a new music video in about a, hopefully a week or so it starred the dancers of X country and the dancers of Aussie heat and a couple of bandmates from the strip. And we, you know, did this whole cool choreographed dance thing. I didn't dance. Like I got all the good, <laughs> I got all the good looking people to dance. I just did the, uh, you know, I held the guitar, did my thing. I just, I didn't want that to be the only thing. So I'm excited for that, but uh, you're right. This whole pandemic kind of lent itself to other exciting projects. Jimmy Denning and I from Tenors of Rock uh, wrote our own show <laughs> that we're going to be selling, I think, in a couple of days. The first show, I believe, is going to be on November 11th, which is Veterans Day. And uh, we're calling it Vin and Jimmy's Downtown Hootenanny. And it's it's like a game show mixed with music, with movies, with all this stuff. we got a video screen, so it's a whole show. We, 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 we worked three months on it. Uh, he's coming over in a couple of hours to go over all, all the ticketing with me. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, you got to look at the positives when the world throws you such a curveball like this. And it's not even throwing me a curveball. It's like the world threw itself a curveball. Everybody's in, in a state of flux and no idea what's going to happen. So I'm fortunate that I got a good support team around me that enabled me to do all these cool and exciting projects. And uh, yeah, and you, man, for getting it out there. I did want to talk about the the whole Vindemic thing and the videos that you were you were popping out on Facebook and and on YouTube and such, and and kind of the idea, the inspiration behind some of these videos because they really ran the gamut from real serious, heavy duty songwriter stuff to just goofy fun stuff. Was it just a case of waking up and going, "Well, today I'm going to do this," and and tomorrow I'm going to do that? 
how did you you pick what it was you were gonna you were gonna put out there that's really what it was i mean i would just wake up and go you know i've always wanted to do that song i never did that song or you know i have this funny stupid song in my head that's like a parody but i want to do it to like a song that people know so i pick Folsom prison blues and i call it covid prison blues Meanwhile, like I go online and there's like 80 different versions of people doing the same idea. So it's not like I did anything. You know, I thought I thought it came very organic to me, like, okay. But then I go online, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of smart, cool people, talented people out there that did the same thing. But uh, you know, you know me. I don't take myself very seriously. Um, I don't think anybody should. I take I take my music seriously, but at the same token, I always want to have fun with it. And that's kind of the theme with the downtown hoot nanny that Jim and I are doing. It's the theme of Vendemic. It's the theme of my life that it's great to, you know, bust out a real serious song like Landslide. And then a minute later, you're in your underwear playing three different instruments, singing a Johnny Cash song, you know, <laughs> rapping about the pandemic. It's, you know, it's just, you got to laugh at the whole thing and you got to enjoy it while you can. And it doesn't matter whether you do music or whether you do anything else. I feel like you should take that approach with anything in life, mm-hmm. you know, and you do the same thing. I mean, you have episodes where you get heavy into stuff. And then you have episodes that are that are light, and that's you know, so keeps people coming back. I think. I want to talk about some of the original stuff that you've done. There's there's two tracks that really stick in my brain here. Um, nowhere to begin, yeah. which is kind of a fun one because it's that neat little play on words with nowhere to begin and nowhere to begin, and mantra. First of all, mantra. I sent you a message late one night. Mantra is on my pre sleep list, which is kind of hilarious. It just the first time I heard this song, I'm like. And it's a very calming song, you know, it's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm glad you take it as a compliment because I don't know too many other artists that be like, Hey man, your music puts me to sleep all the time, man. I like it. You know, like I'm, I'm a big Radiohead fan. So like when I listen to albums like Amnesiac or Kid A, you know, like people go, Oh, that music's so depressing. I go, and it's not depressing. It's just not, you know, it's not, you know, everything can't be a slamming, you know, hard hitting thing. Something's got to be laid back and chill. And, uh, and that song really is like an affirmation song. Like I will rise again. I will stand up. I will face the wind. I will, it's like an empowering thing. And the fact that you listen to that before you sleep, you know, now I'm taking credit for everything that happened the next day to you. That was good. I empowered you. I made that happen. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's, it's all about that vibe that, you know, I can do this. I will do this. I will stand up. And I feel like uh, that's an important message to get out right now. And then the complete polar opposite of that is nowhere to begin, which you look at that music video and that song and it's, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at the world around me and I'm scared to death and I, I, I'm trying to find the good in it all, but it's hard. So that's why I guess my writing is all over the place. And that's why my projects are all over the place because the world's all over the place. Me and my girlfriend and I last night had an amazing date night. She bought this thing called an adventure book and you don't know what it is. You scratch it off and you, and whatever it is, you have to do it. So we go, all right. So we haven't had a night together in three weeks. Cause I've been working on, you know, 50 different projects. She goes, Vin, I need a night with you. I go, I'll fit you in babe. Don't worry. And I scratched the thing off and it's like, you need to have an appetizer, a dinner and a dessert in three different places and you have to have a different accent in each place. <laughs> so there I am, the first, you know, Australian having my beer, eating my pizza. <laughs> and the next place, I'm like Russian having my steak at this other place. And, you know, it's, you got to stop and enjoy the little things. And, you know, and, and we did that. And we were able to do that. And, you know, I'm just happy that you're able to stop and enjoy the music. Because that's what makes me, as a songwriter, feel like I'm not just putting it out there and it's going nowhere. 
Mm-hmm. You know, at least somebody's listening. At least I got one. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when can we expect a full album of this this stuff? Because right now the two tracks are up on Spotify and and Apple Music, and and there's past music of yours up there as well. But when can we expect a a full EP or a full album of new stuff? So I look I look at the world and I and I look at it like nobody ever sits down anymore and listens to a forty five to fifty five minute album. Like, it's just, I feel like that's a thing of the past and, and it sucks to say it because like, I, I'm a big, like, you know, dark side of the moon, okay, computer, like, you know, albums that changed your life. When you look back at those albums, you know, so much for the afterglow ever clear. I mean, like I would sit in my room and just listen with headphones and I feel like kids today, I don't know if they do that or, you know, I don't know. So what I, I kind of came up with this thing where, yeah, it's going to be an album, but sort of like every month or every other month. I'm going to release a single from the album. And then, you know, whoever, you know, the music aficionados out there that want to sit and listen from track one to track eight, nine, 10, 11, whatever it's going to be, want to do that. You know, I am making it to kind of be like a concept album where it's like that. And it has those hills and valleys. I just feel like if you drop 45 minutes of music on somebody today, they're going to listen in the first 45 seconds, decide whether they like it and then go, all right. And then an entire year of your work is done. Right. As opposed to this month, bang, I released Nowhere. And then next month, I released the music video. And then the next month, I released Mantra. And then the next month, I'm going to release Wishing Well with these people. So it's like I'm always kind of in your face. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, so I just feel like that's kind of like a, a newer approach in the way that I'm going to approach it. But uh, yeah, I just feel like it's better to stay relevant you know, every month, every other month and be like, Hey, here's a new three minute track. You know, it's like, I expect people will listen to a three minute track over a 45 minute album any day, but it's all part of the same album. So I, I feel like you're right. I, I, I'm the same as you. I love the idea of being able to put an album on a turntable and listen to the whole thing, top to bottom, just start to finish as opposed to jumping into Spotify or jumping into Apple music and bouncing around and listening to, to tracks. And I think you're right. I, I, I don't think there's that same level of commitment to an album, so to speak. I, it just doesn't happen. And again, my stuff is kind of like, you know, all over the place where every song kind of, I look at it like a solar system where every song is its own thing. So like every song isn't a rock song on my record. Every song isn't a pop song. It's, you know, nowhere to begin was a super heavy acid psychedelic rock song. And then mantra was a really chilled out piano French horn thing. And then this next one wishing well is a complete pop, you know, thing. And it's, you know, completely away from what I do. And then the next one after that is like a cigar box rocking, you know, Billy Gibbons wannabe like ZZ Top thing. It's all over the place because people go, why don't you just stick to one thing? I go, because that's not how my brain works. You know, like one day I'm dead and I'm going to want to write a slow, you know, introspective song. One day I'm rocking. I'm really into this idea and it's going to be an upbeat song. It's, it's going to be this. It's I'm weird. <laughs> you know it's it's tough i love it i absolutely love it um i want to talk about adapting during the pandemic something that that didn't really shock me when it came to all of you guys down there was how how much and how many vegas entertainers really adapted and and just figured out ways to keep performing to a certain degree whether it was facebook live or youtube live or streaming or whatever at what point for you 
did did you guys, you and your dad and and the rest of the Bronx Wanderers team just kind of think, oh, we got to come up with something? I was scared to death because the problem with my family is we all only just do music. It's not like this is, you know, a side job for us. It's it's this is what my brother does. This is what I do. This is what my dad does. This is what we do. And when the rug was pulled out from under us, we all looked at each other, you know, and we don't have a lot of money in the bank because we just figured, you know, it's a paycheck's going to keep coming. You know, I have, I have my usual three to five months saved up, God forbid, you know, but we're already six months in and I'm not back to work. So, you know, people like me, we need to adapt. So everybody's like, why don't you go on Cameo? Why don't you go on Cameo? I go, because I'm nobody. I'm Vin from the Bronx Wanderers. I'm not Wayne Newton. I'm not Tony Orlando. I'm not, you know, Bon Jovi. I'm not Gilbert Godfrey, where somebody's going to pay $600 to have me say happy birthday. Right. But I go, I got a really amazing fan base. They're like the greatest fans in the world. What if we put 150 song menu on our website and they could choose whether they want one song, three songs or five songs, and they pick their songs. And then before that, we give them a five to 10 minute FaceTime thing that, that my girlfriend Liz uh, video records. Then they get to watch their performance privately via a private Facebook live link. And then we're filming and recording the entire thing. And then I send them a video after that they can keep forever. So we kind of like made a joke and we're calling it video as opposed to cameo. (laughs) It's like cameo on steroids, as I like to say. And that's kind of a way that we rolled with it. Because a lot of the, a lot of artists in Las Vegas, they immediately went, you know, we got to do a live stream. Let's do a live stream. Let's do this. Let's do that. I have a great fan base and, and we've been doing this 16 years. I had a pay-per-view on there for 30 days. And I got to admit, we maybe sold a hundred views of that. And it, it didn't, it, it didn't work for us mm-hmm. because I don't know whether it's the demographic of my fans that they're older and, you know, who wants to sit and watch a concert on a computer, you know, how many fans know how to put an HDMI cable in their computer and know how to connect it to their TV. I mean, you know, I'm 32. I learned that three months ago. Like, I don't know how I'm doing <laughs> I was like, wow, you can watch computer on a TV. That's insane. So I get where they're coming from. And for me, it, it just, the, the virtual thing wasn't, wasn't a means that would work for me and my band. So we kind of came up with that video thing and it's at the bronxwanders.com shameless plug. And uh, anybody that <laughs> wants to like order a song, you hang out with us, you pick what you want to hear and you get a video you keep forever. I mean, I think it's a really cool deal and um, you have to adapt exactly what you said you really you have to roll with the punches especially in this business and it sucks i mean looking at it from a world point of view it's like we're the last business to come back which is like entertainment live entertainment even conventions and events and event organizing it's like god knows when that stuff's going to come back Mm -hmm. i was going to ask if you thought because you guys have such a large fan base of outside Las Vegas, if that put you at an advantage over some of the other Vegas performers that were trying to do those live streams, but it doesn't really sound like it did per se. I'm fortunate that I've stayed in the same show and same band for 16 years and built up such a following and such a momentum that even if, even if Vegas collapsed tomorrow, I could go out on the road and tour, you know, America, no problem. Whereas a lot of people out here, if you're in like a show like, you know, Baz and it's around for eight months and it's a great show and then bang, the show collapses. It's like, you know, you got to find another show and I got to build the momentum in that show. And, and then bang, that show collapses. And I got, it's like, it, it's, you know, I don't know how those people do it. I give them a lot of credit for being able to step in any role and do anything. You know, I'm lucky that I barely know how to be me that well. And I've only had to be Vin 
for 16 years. Mm-hmm. You know, now is the first time in my life where I'm stepping out of the Bronx Wanderers thing because I actually have time to and an opportunity. And I'm doing this stuff with Jimmy from Tenors and I'm doing um, uh, some other stuff with the Righteous Brothers secretly that you're the first person I'm telling. But, you know, we're working on some cool stuff. And uh, I don't know how they do it, but I definitely feel like I am at an advantage because I've had this show for so long mm-hmm. and that's why it works. And that's why I'm able to do the video thing. Cause if I was just, you know, Joe blow from this show and, and, you know, pay to hear me sing a song that's going to work for a week and then that's it. Yeah. I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm lucky that everything I got, even though everything's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to work for everyone is slowly starting to happen for everyone in Las Vegas right now. Right. And one of my, favorite parts of of our last conversation was you taking me and everybody behind the curtain and what's involved in in producing a vegas show and and because i don't think a lot of people realize how um involved a lot of the the performers are to a degree where they are almost uh producers of the shows um how hard has it been for you guys to deal with all of the 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 mixed messages and and all of the various various levels of bullshit that have been coming out with having to deal with things like ambient music and whether or not tickets can be sold and where you can and can't perform and and all of these these various things it's been really hard because you know I'm like I, I consider myself a to the left kind of guy like politically a little bit you know more so. I believe a woman should do whatever they want with their body. And I'm a firm believer in marijuana. And, you know, like, I'm just, you know, people should do whatever the hell they want to do is my opinion. You want to go do that? Go do that. Whatever, dude. You know, I'm not a firm believer in telling people no, but I just, you know, it sucks because the government, this, the state government here is democratic as opposed to Republican, which means it's not fully open like Florida, which everything's open. And you know, they say that you can go in a restaurant and you could be eating and you could be talking and, and there could be a table right there. But meanwhile, you can't have, uh, you know, a band like myself on stage and everybody in a mask the whole time. Like, how is that not more safe than the other thing? How are you going to open a casino pool where everybody is spitting and sharing the same water, literally, and you can't open a theater? Mm-hmm. How are you going to open a movie theater and you can't open an entertainment theater? Like, I get it. Like, like, you know, when I talk, I'm Italian. I talk loud. I get it. Spit comes out. I totally get it. You know? But the cool thing was when this whole pandemic happened, um, New Jersey called us and they're like, our governor just allowed live entertainment. Will you come and play at our 900 seat theater? I go, absolutely. They go, the problem is you can only play to 130 people at a time and you got to do six shows. <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, okay. I go, what's the budget? And they told me, look, it's, it's not good. And, and I showed up with half my band. I literally showed up with my dad and my brother and me, and that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to leave the other three guys here, and that kind of you know, sucked. But the cool thing about what Jersey did is they dropped a whole black screen in front of the stage where everybody in the audience could see me perfectly. And I could, I could literally take a bucket of water and go like that and, and throw it at the scrim, and it wouldn't go through. Mm-hmm. And we were able to have six shows and nobody got sick. There was not an incident. I don't get why the entertainment capital of the world wasn't forward like that and thinking, okay, we can at least do this. We can get shows back immediately. And then bang, you get rid of the 25 foot rule because that's, you know, I don't know if your fans know, but right now we can't even have shows go on. Cause if you're on stage, you have to count 25 feet from the performer 
to the first person uh, in the audience, which in any theater that gets rid of, you know, 60, 70 seats. Yeah. So they're like moving Tate face up to my room because his, his overhead is way low. He only needs to sell, you know, X amount of tickets. So they're going to move him to a bigger room where if he sells, you know, say only 110 tickets, he'll be, he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, my break even is 140 tickets. If I can only sell 110 tickets, I can't go back to work losing money every night. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So frustrating. Yeah. And then the funny part, you see him on, <laughs> you see him on a line the next day and he's at like my friend Naomi's restaurant, Monzu, and he's there eating and there's a band playing and you know, she's singing and he's five feet away. Yeah. So it's weird, man. We're, we're in a spot where this hasn't happened in a hundred years. I get that. Nobody knows what's going on. And uh, I just, I just feel like it could be done in a smarter way, but at the same token, you want to care about people's health. You know, I care about people like, you know, your wife who's in healthcare where I don't want to rush back to a show and then 10 people get COVID and then they infect 50 people and they're in, they're in the hospital two weeks later. Like I get it, yeah. you know, but it sucks, man. It is frustrating. I mean, I just don't get how you allow a movie theater to be open, a casino pool to be open, a bowling alley to be open and you don't let a show open. But again, everybody's saying after the election, it's going to be different after the election, you know, you know. And then yeah. it is like November 6th. There's, I think MGM's opening all their shows. Right. Copperfield's going back. Like, you know, Carrot Top's going back. Everybody's going back. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird timing. It's like we're in the matrix. I don't get it. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I have to ask from a, from a business side of things and from a, an audience or, or from a ticket buyer side of things, because all of these shows need to sell and actually sell X amount of tickets to, to break even or pull a profit. Is that going to mean the end of discounted tickets from places like ticks for tonight or, or comp tickets from casino hosts? Could we see those things go away? It definitely may. I mean, we're talking about getting rid of it from a standpoint of, we want to kind of come back as look, it's $50 no matter where you sit. And that's what it is. Like you have to understand from our perspective, we have overhead. We have this. We have to pay our guys. We have to make a living. We can't have people coming in anymore for a dollar. You can't have people coming in for, you know, it's different when you're a total rewards ticket holder and, and you're gambling thousands of dollars and, and they say, hey, you know, we're going to discount this $50 ticket for you for nine bucks. It's like, I, I, I get that. And, you know, if you fill the room with 40 people on, you know, total rewards, I get it. But if your whole audience is filled by tickets for tonight and house seats and total rewards, and you're making 3000 for the night in a 500 seat room, something has to change, mm-hmm. you know? And the one good advantage that I see coming up is there aren't going to be any major headliners here. Meaning like, I don't see Lady Gaga and Aerosmith and Journey and all those people coming back. Cause I don't know how you're going to do an arena show and work out that overhead. So the good thing I feel like right now is for like little shows, I call, I call my tier, the B tier. So like if that's the A tier, like we're like, you know, that little B gap where, oh, you know, you know, we have a second night here in Vegas. Let's go see a show we never heard of type of thing. So that B tier, that may be the only group of shows that's here um, when shows come back, which could be a really good thing for shows like, you know, Tenors of Rock, Bronx Wanderers, Menopause, you know, all that stuff. But you got to look at shows like Paranormal, who my friend Frederick De Silva, he left and went back to France. Anthony Cools, it's a hypnotist show. He touches people the whole time. How, how the hell is he going back to work? He doesn't even know if he is going back to work. It's, um, you know, we're fortunate that we do music and we don't have to touch people, you know? So 
it's, it's going to be weird. I was going to ask if you if you thought that this would would create a shift in the type of shows that are being produced in Vegas because we were already seeing a little bit of that to a certain degree pre-pandemic with Cirque making a lot of cuts and staffing cuts and cost-cutting measures and things like that with Cirque basically out of the picture until at least 2021 now is that really going to change the shift in focus yeah i mean people people are going to come into town going we can't have a 40 person production anymore you can't because insider people here are saying this town isn't going to come back for at least another year to where to where it was you know pre pre pre-covid and even before that, I mean, you were seeing all the big shows fail, like Showstoppers that win, uh, you know, Baz. I and mean, these are all great shows, mind you. Mm-hmm. But you can't have your break-even point be 700 tickets because you ain't going to sell 700 tickets every night. It's just not It's not what it used to be. So you're going to see smaller shows. You're going to see lounge acts slash half shows become shows. You're going to see a bunch of performers that have been writing for the past six months out of work. They've been writing their own shows. I think that's going to be really cool to hopefully see, you know, six months from now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Enoch from Zombie Burlesque presents this new show, you know, because I know he's working on something cool involving Tiger King, which should be hilarious. Um, (laughs) You know, but everybody has to change now. Everybody has to adapt. And I completely agree. It is going to go that way. God knows if Cirque is going to come back. I know they're going to keep O. Because that show balances out all the money for all the other shows that they lose on. Right. So they'll keep that. They'll keep some things. But again, I just, I don't see Journey, Aerosmith, a lot of Cirque shows coming back, a lot of huge production Broadway shows coming back. I don't see it. It's going to be all those nitty gritty, small, cool, doable, low overhead shows that are going to survive. From an audience standpoint, how do you think a lot of these precautions and and changes and restrictions that are coming in are going to affect the experience of being at a Vegas show. I mean, half of the fun a lot of times is, is how intimate these Vegas shows are, how close you are to the performer and, and how close you are to the people that you're, you're sitting with. And then all of a sudden you've got 25 foot requirement to be that far away from the performers and, and you can't sit with other people that aren't in your group and, and you have to wear masks. I mean, how is this going to affect that? that Vegas show experience. Well, again, what separates Vegas from going, you know, to any local casino, you know, cause people from California, they got, they got casinos out there. People in Jersey have casinos, people in Delaware have casinos, people in Pennsylvania have casinos. Why do people come here? Cause they can do slots anywhere. They come here for the experience of the dining, for the shows, for the atmosphere, for, for the vibe that which is, and hopefully forever will be Vegas. You know, imagine doing comedy when you're in a comedy show and you got three people to the left of you laughing and three people to the right of you laughing, you're probably going to laugh. Mm-hmm. But if you got people eight feet away and eight feet away and la- you may not laugh, you know, because it's that energy when you're when you're in an audience. It's, you know, God knows when we're going to see that again, whether it's from a sports standpoint or a music standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, w- when somebody hits a home run in a baseball game and, and you're high-fiving everybody to the left of you, it's like, oh my God, it's, it's a moment. When you're in your room by yourself and it's on, it's like, nice, you hit a home run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, like, you're, like, you're by yourself, man. It's, it's, it's like that energy is completely sucked out of the situation. And that's, and that's half the fun in those things. That's half the fun in sports. That's half the fun in music. It's that energy with people. And um, 
I honestly, I don't know how to answer your question with how it's going to be from an audience perspective because, you know, my favorite band is from Canada. They're called Big Wreck, and that's like Ian Thornley, and he's like one of my favorite guitar players of all time. And they've been doing live streams, and, and even I'll be like, oh, I can't wait to see that. And then I get so inundated with work, I miss the date of the live stream, and I go, crap, I missed it. You know, as opposed to, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my ticket. They're coming to California. I know I got to go to the show that day. You know, it's, it's, an, it's a day experience as opposed to I got to get my laptop, get my underwear, and watch my show. You know, it's, it's a completely different experience. It's tough, Jeff. I have no clue, man, what's, what's going to go down. So any word, any idea on when we can expect to see you guys back on the stage, any, any timeline at all? I mean, I know you were saying that 25 foot rule for your guys theater, it makes it really tough. Is there any talk of maybe moving you guys into a bigger room somewhere or, or how do you think that's going to play out? So the cool thing with Caesars is they kind of like threw my dad and I a bone and they said, look, we understand that, you know, the only thing you two do is music. How about you guys go out as a duo and you play carnival court? outside Fridays and Saturdays from two to seven. Then I go, that's five hours. They go, yeah, it's five 45 minute sets. So it's like, I go from seven days a week singing every night, which was, you know, really hard to singing no days a week, which was great, but I made no money to then singing 10 hours in two days, which again is vocally very hard. Yeah. It's with me. I always joke to Liz, my girlfriend, I always go, it's either a complete drought in my life or it's a monsoon. It's never a light <laughs> drizzle where I can just easily manage this situation. It just never is. Um, they're, they're saying that we may come back in January. Again, I, this country is so all over the place right now. When the election happens, God knows what's going to happen, regardless of who wins. Everything could change the next day. I mean, I have, you know, they could tell me January, then November 8th, they come around and go, oh, the 25-foot rule's gone. You can go back to work. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, attendance is down. I think every hotel is at like 40% capacity. The clientele we've had here hasn't been the greatest because they've had the lower room rates so much and violence ticked up a little bit, which obviously, you know, when you, when you get, you know, that crowd that comes in from Arizona and California, that's, that's what you're going to get. Mm. You know, so our people aren't even in a rush to go back right now until there's like a vaccine to like people. Cause like I, I play to a, a, an older audience. Right. So even my audience is, is scared to go out, which I get, man, because I had COVID for, you know, your people that are listening. Like I had it July 1st. Uh, it was gone by July 5th for me. I stayed inside for three weeks. Granted, I didn't want to get anybody else sick. But for a young guy, it was I've had hangovers that were worse. <laughs> you know, but then there are people who like, you know, lose legs. And, and my mom took two and a half weeks to get better because she's like pre-diabetic and, uh, you know, like mild emphysema she has. So it kind of kicked her butt a lot harder. My fan base is in that target demographic where they may not go out till there's a vaccine. Yeah. So I don't know if I should rush back to work. And that's why I'm kind of doing all these other little side projects to stay mentally sane and to stay financially afloat. Well, I hope that, um, that things can, can get back to some semblance of normality here in the near future, because I want you guys to be able to all get back to work and get back to doing what you guys love doing. And, and I want to be able to, to get back, back down there and and see you guys i'm missing all of you like crazy and i'm missing the city like crazy but worst case scenario if it doesn't all work out as i said before unlimited butter tarts and poutine for all my american friends who want to want to try and call uh casa de jeff uh a, a sanctuary 
I'm working on building my tunnel from from Vegas to your place in Calgary in case it goes south here. So just <laughs> just have a seat available for me. <laughs> Vin, as always, a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, so happy we were able to to get together and have this conversation. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, my friend, and uh, I hope we uh, we get to see each other uh, in person sometime soon. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Vince Tracks, Nowhere to Begin, and Mantra are both available for streaming on Apple Music and Spotify, and you can find all of Vin's Vindemic videos on his YouTube channel. And if you want to book your own private, custom Bronx Wanderer show, you can head to their website at thebronxwanderers.com for details. I'll post all those links in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. And that wraps up yet another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or if you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also email me directly too at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 77 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Podcast.